Welcome to Mind Speak. I'm your host, Holly Higgins, a hypnotherapist and holistic mental health nerd. And I'm here to help you use the power of your mind to become happier, healthier, and more of who you really are. Let's dive in. Well, hello there. I'm coming at you straight from my closet, like usual. When we close on the new house, I'm going to have this awesome office that's up in this teeny tiny attic space. It's very cozy and magical, and the sound insulation up there I think is going to be great, and it's separate enough from the rest of the house so that I don't have to worry about soundproofing. But for now, I'm in my closet talking to you. (laughs) So hey, I'm going to call this episode one in a series that I am unofficially dubbing the Little Bird series because my joke there is that a little bird told me to tell you this. I had an idea for an episode that I was going to do this week. I had it all planned out. And then I was in the shower yesterday or the day before, and I got this really strong message that apparently somebody who's listening to this needs to hear. Maybe you need to hear it. But it's all about this idea that credentials don't create confidence. So a little bird told me to tell you this. We're going to roll with it. The, the reason that this came to me is I see so many people get trapped in this idea of I have to know more before I get started. So I have to get this certification, I have to take this course, I have to get this award, I have to get this promotion. And then when I have this elusive shiny thing outside of me, I'm finally going to feel good enough, I'm finally going to feel confident, and then I'll finally be able to do that thing that I want to do, and I will live happily ever after. You got any of that going on right now? When XYZ happens, then I'll finally feel confident, then I'll finally do the thing. I know I have fallen into that trap a lot in the past, and I really, really try to call myself on it whenever I see myself falling into it again. So I want to help you call yourself on it and avoid some potentially hairy, costly, frustrating mistakes. (laughs) And today I'm going to be speaking a lot through the lens of holistic health and wellness professionals because I know a lot of people in my audience, maybe you, fall into the category of a holistic health and wellness professional or you are an aspiring holistic health and wellness professional. So I'm going to talk a lot through that lens. But even if you don't fall into that camp, even if you have a different profession or different things that excite you, I want you to listen through your own context and your own lens because I guarantee there are parts of this that probably apply to you, even if you're an artist or a creative or a salesperson or an engineer. I guarantee that some of this applies to you, but I'm seeing it a lot in the holistic health world. And a lot of clients that I work with are in the holistic health world. And there's this 
this fervent disease of an idea that we constantly need more certifications and more training and when we get those certifications and that training and when we take the course and when we know the marketing thing and blah, 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 it goes on and on forever, then we'll finally feel good enough and we can get started. Now, I want to be really clear. I am not dogging on continual development and continuing education and continuing to stretch yourself and amass more knowledge to help your clients or whoever you're working with. I'm not talking about that. That is very healthy. That is very necessary. What I think is very unhealthy and very unnecessary is when we keep ourselves from even dipping our toe in the water or even trying to help someone that we absolutely could help because we've got a massive case of imposter syndrome because we're constantly stuck in comparison mode, worried that we're not going to be able to help people, and so we don't even try. We end up stuck in this metaphorical game of double dutch. Did anybody play double dutch? (laughs) When you were a kid. So double dutch is that jump rope game where you have two jump ropes going at the same time. And it's really tricky to jump into the double dutch. And and people will stand there forever, like waving their arms, trying to get the rhythm of the ropes. Like, okay, am I going to do it now? Am I going to do it now? I'm going to do it now. (laughs) Kids will stand there all of recess and never get in the double dutch. And that is what I see a lot of people doing when it comes to doubling down on their dream and taking a chance on themselves. They are stuck in a perpetual game of double dutch. And listen, I don't want anybody to take away that I'm hating on education or <laughs> that I'm telling you to do things that are stupid or dangerous. That's that's not the case at all. Like if you want to be an eye surgeon, obviously you need to go get the proper training to be an eye surgeon. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's very, very complicated. There there are different levels to this, and I'm not, I don't want the message of this episode to be like, just skip a level and fake it till you make it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that at some point, you've got to jump in to the double dutch. And the sooner that you jump into the double dutch, the better off you're going to be. And depending on what it is that you're doing or that you want to be doing, if you want to do anything that's even remotely outside of the box, and if you're listening to this, I don't know, I have a little bit of an intuition that maybe you want to do something that's kind of sort of out of the box, you have to be really, really honest with yourself about what is the minimum bar for entry, I want you to think about this, whatever your goal is, whatever you want to do, whatever double dutch scenario that you might not be jumping into, you have to ask yourself, what is the minimum bar of entry for this thing that I want to do? What are, what's the minimum training, qualifications, hours, like bare bones, If I wanted to jump into the double dutch, (laughs) what would I have to have to jump into the double dutch? 
It's important to be super honest with yourself here. I'm not advocating cutting corners or doing things crappily. I'm advocating that you get really, really honest about what is the minimum barrier for entrance because anything on top of that is icing on the cake. And your greatest teacher is not reading books about how to jump double dutch or watching YouTube videos about how to double dutch or taking courses about how to double dutch. Your greatest teacher is actually doing the double dutch. (laughs) And so the sooner that you get in there and start jumping whatever kind of metaphorical rope that you're going to jump, the faster you'll learn because experience is the greatest teacher. And anything that's above and beyond the minimum barrier for entry is additional. It's icing on the cake. And you can decide what flavor of icing that you need after you bake the cake. What a lot of people do is they bake the cake and then they ice the cake, and then they take that icing off, and then they try out 40 different flavors of icing. And then someone in their life is like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you were baking cakes. And meanwhile, they're like, yeah, and I've got like all these 40 flavors of icing too, and my cake still isn't good enough to share it with anybody. Don't be that cake baker. (laughs) P.S. I realize I am mixing 80 different metaphors at this point, and I trust that you still understand me. So when it comes to continuing education or anything above and beyond the bare minimum, I want to give you some really solid advice for how to know when to pursue it and how to know when it's just noise and it's not necessarily going to help you. So I'll give an anecdotal example from back when I graduated the NTA, Nutritional Therapy Association, because that was the work that I was primarily involved in for a long, long time was nutritional therapy. I graduated NTA, and then I got a huge case of imposter syndrome. And I did start working with people pretty quickly, but but I had serious imposter syndrome, and I was totally and fully convinced that I just needed to become a functional medicine doctor. I needed to go and get really, really advanced trainings and stool testing and blood chemistry and all the functional labs in the world because I needed to be able to handle anything a client could possibly ever come to me with. I had to have all of the answers, all of the knowledge, all of the credentials, all of the lab testing. And in retrospect, I'm so, so glad I didn't do it. Because all of those thoughts were coming from a place of scarcity. All of those thoughts were coming from a place of, I'm not good enough. What if I don't know the answer? I see colleagues who know how to do more advanced stuff than me, and therefore I feel inadequate. It was all coming from a place of lack. But when I, when I really sat with it and thought about really advanced functional medicine training and lab work, it wasn't exciting to me. In fact, it kind of bored me to tears and I didn't want to do it at all. 
but I really thought I needed it because then I would be legitimate. So I didn't go on to do super duper advanced functional medicine training. I did not get my functional MD. What I did do was like the mini version of that. (laughs) So from this really intense feeling of imposter syndrome and I don't know enough and I need more credentials, lab work, sciencey stuff to back up what I'm doing, which by the way was already really effective and already getting people really good results, I enrolled in a hair tissue mineral analysis program to learn the skill of hair tissue mineral analysis. Now, if you do HTMA, I am not knocking it at all. It's a great tool. It can give you great insight. I used it myself for a while until I stopped using it. Um, Not knocking HTMA at all. I'm also not knocking geeky lab work in general, because for some people, like that really lights them up. And that's the path that they genuinely should pursue. But for me, it was not what lit that spark in me. It was not what made my soul say heck yes. It was just something that I felt like I needed to do and I should do because if I didn't do it, I wasn't enough. So I took this HTMA training. And it was like pulling teeth. (laughs) I learned it. I became fairly skilled at interpreting reports, but every time I looked at the data or sent off a sample or incorporated incorporated it into my work, it was never that feeling of, yes, this is what I should be doing. This is amazing. It was always like, oh, here's the boring part. I'm going to slog through this. (laughs) And that is a really, really good indicator of what is genuinely going to serve you on your path is how does it feel in your body. And so when you're considering any kind of additional training or knowledge or skill set, ask yourself, how does this feel in my body? Am I genuinely excited about it? Does it light me up? Am I going to be so thrilled to learn about this? Or am I just doing it because I feel like I have to? That's a really, really important thing to pay attention to. Now, on the flip side, when, and I've studied many things, but when I decided to study Reiki, energy healing, for example, that came from a place of, yes, I'm so excited. I can't wait to do this. It was that spark. It lit me up. The same thing when I decided to pursue hypnotherapy. It wasn't coming from a place of, well... I'm taking this training, I'm getting this certification because I don't know enough. It came from that place of genuine excitement and I can't wait to learn this and I can't wait to incorporate this into my skill set and see where this takes me. Do you feel the difference there? And Anything that you might be considering for yourself, it's important to lean into that. Am I making this decision from a place of scarcity Or am I making this decision from a place of excitement? Now, that's not to say that everything in your life should excite you and should light a bright light in your soul. And life is just this blissful dance where everything is amazing. There's going to be certain skills and certain things that you have to do that perhaps don't make you feel that way. 
when I'm doing my books, I, I like that I'm organized and I'm getting it done, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm doing my books. This is amazing. So take it for what it's worth. I also want to address another thing I hear a lot, which is, well, if I'm not doing it right, or if I don't have the right certification, or if I say the wrong thing, people are going to call me out and expose me as a fraud. (laughs) A lot of us walk around with this sense of we're about to be called out. And I know what that feels like. But the tried and true advice is that people who criticize you, people who feel the need to call you out, people who feel the need to naysay, are almost always people who feel inferior themselves. People who have got it going on, people who are doing exciting things, people who like their life and what they're doing, never, ever, ever feel the need to pick on others. They just don't. And you also have to remember that people give feedback through a very limited lens of perspective. A lot of people have no idea what's possible in the world these days. And so if you share their dream if you share your dream with them, which be very very careful who you share your dreams with. That's a piece of advice I heard a long time ago that has stuck with me. Be very careful who you share your dreams with because if you share your dreams nilly-willy, you're going to get a lot of nilly-willy opinions from a lot of people. But going back to this idea of context and people just really don't know what's possible. Uh, it was like last year sometime I was talking to, we'll, we'll call him an old mentor figure from my past. And this man is maybe 30 or 40 years older than me. And, and we hadn't talked in some time and we were catching up about what I was doing and how my life was going and all of that stuff. And, and I was telling him about my practice and how I serve people. He was very confused. <laughs> he was like, wait a minute. So you have social media and you help people online. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's what I do. Well, so how do people pay you? Well, I invoice them. And they pay the invoices. (laughs) So you're not just doing this as a hobby. Like people actually pay you. Yes, they actually pay me. And I make a full-time living. Oh. So you do all this on the internet? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Wow. You know, I always thought you would have made a really good lawyer. Did you ever think about that? Do you ever think about being a lawyer? (laughs) No, I never thought about being a friggin' lawyer. But I share that story with you just to illustrate this, this person. We have a great relationship. This person has a heart for me. But this person just has a very limited capacity in understanding what is actually possible in 2020. But a lot of people are still stuck in that mindset of you have a cubicle, you have a nine to five, 
you you have a pension, whatever, the old school model, they don't understand what's actually possible. And maybe you have somebody in your life who operates on that same wavelength where they see you and your dreams and your ambitions and they just don't really understand what's actually possible in the year 2020. Don't let their opinions and their beliefs about what's possible take a giant crap all over what you think is possible for yourself. Okay, Holly, this is great, you say, but I still really feel like I truly don't know enough and I'm not confident and I need more pep talking. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want you to think about somebody who knows somebody in your field or somebody who's doing what you want to do, who knows way less than you. Like, you know way more than them. They know way less than you, but they're absolutely crushing it. You know one of these people, right? (laughs) These really obnoxious people who seem to have everything work out for them, but you've done way more and studied way harder and you're technically leaps and bounds ahead of them, except they're actually leaps and bounds ahead. It's super duper frustrating. We all know somebody like this. And the reason these people are leaps and bounds ahead, as obnoxious as it may be, is that they're usually doing at least some of the three things that I'm going to tell you about here in a minute. But before I tell you about these three things, these three things that you can start doing to bolster your confidence that don't have anything to do with learning more or acquiring more knowledge, or getting that thing outside of you, that elusive thing that you think is finally going to make you feel good enough. So three things that you can start doing today. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about where lack of confidence comes from. Confidence is something that I have worked a lot with myself. It's not something that was just handed to me or that I was just born with. It's something that I've done a lot of intentional work on, and it's something that you can work on too. I believe that we all come in, well, for the most part, and I could get really deep here, but I'm going to skip that very deep thought. (laughs) For the most part, I believe We all come onto the planet fully confident, fully trusting in ourselves, fully believing in ourselves, and it's the programming that we receive along the way that chips away at that innate confidence, that innate belief in ourselves and love for ourselves. It's the critical voices that we internalize as children. It's those moments of embarrassment or shame or making mistakes and having that feeling inside of oh gosh and when we get those emotional hits and those stings over and over again those start to erode our natural confidence so I believe that we're all born naturally confident and then over time we receive programming and we live through experiences that erode our confidence. You know that hot flush, that feeling that you get in your body when you're embarrassed or you mess up or you're scolded, just that 
icky, hot feeling of shame that makes you want to hide. Your body remembers that. Your body and your mind remember those stingy, icky feelings of shame whenever you experience them. And if we don't do the work to release those, they build up over time into walls of protection. And this is actually brilliant from an evolutionary standpoint. You know, we learn don't go too far outside of the cave. There is a bear in that direction. (laughs) You don't want to get too close to the bear. It will growl. Keeps you safe. We also learn things like don't touch hot stoves. They hurt. Very, very good feedback from an evolutionary standpoint. The challenge comes when in modern day society, in order to grow, in order to evolve, we have to embrace discomfort. We have to be willing to fall on our face and to feel embarrassment and to have somebody say crappy things to us. And we have to have the resilience to get back up again. But the reason it's so hard for so many of us to put ourselves out there or to face potential rejection or to face potential criticism is that the body and the mind have built up such an energetic memory of that does not feel good and I will do anything I possibly can to avoid feeling that way. And so if you're ever in a place where you're trying to step out of your comfort zone and do the thing and and flex your muscles with your skill set, and you have what feels like that full body response of, I just can't, there's absolutely trauma there. And like I've said on many episodes past, it does not have to be big trauma, big T trauma, it can be little T trauma, where even we've just internalized the voice of a critical parent, and to step outside of that, to step outside of the box to our body, to our mind feels just too scary. And so if you resonate with that, there's a lot of different tools that can help you. I've talked about EMDR on the podcast. This is also work that I do with people through hypnotherapy, you know, releasing releasing that energetic imprint of fear that holds you back and writing and stepping into a story of what you know that you want for yourself. So with a lot of this, the work that really needs to be done is the inner work, the emotional work, reparenting and soothing that inner child that learned it wasn't safe to take risks. It wasn't safe to step outside of the box. It wasn't safe to fail. So when it comes to confidence and going after what you want, and being willing to exercise the skill set that you have without a million other credentials that you probably don't need. Often it's the deep emotional healing that needs to be done so that you know that you're inherently enough versus going outside of yourself and looking for that thing that will finally make you enough because I hate to spoil it for you, it never ever does. I've worked with people who are at the top of their class, have 
the highest credentials that they can possibly have. I've worked with many PhDs who are still plagued by this feeling of, I just don't know enough. When am I going to know enough? And it goes back to honoring and seeing that younger version of themselves inside that was made to feel like, for whatever reason, made to feel like they weren't enough and seeing with adult eyes that actually they've always been way more than enough. And when you can start to see yourself from that perspective, things really change and shift for you. This is some of the work that I've also done on myself to be able to do the things that I want to do. Um, And this is work that you can do with a trusted practitioner. This is also work that you can start to integrate yourself with different tools. And I want to give you three takeaways, three tools that you can use to start building your confidence today. Because confidence can be built. Confidence is a muscle that you can absolutely strengthen The first tip I want to give you is to start letting praise in. A lot of us, when we get a compliment or someone says we do a good job, the very first thing we do is we deflect it. Oh, I bought this shirt at the thrift store. Oh, I didn't take very long on that presentation. It could have been a lot better. It's the funniest habit that a lot of us have where as soon as someone gives us a compliment, or tells us we do a good job, we deflect it. And if you can start to break this habit, this alone will create massive shifts for you. The next time someone compliments you or tells you that you did a good job or they appreciate you, just say thank you and just receive it. And if you're not used to that, it can feel really, really awkward. But the next time somebody compliments you, or gives you praise, just say thank you. And then take a moment, even if it's later, to reflect on that and to truly let that sink into you. So many of us, if someone were to criticize us, we would think about it all day long. We would magnify it. We would blow it out of proportion. But yet we could get 500 compliments in a day And we could go to sleep still thinking we're crap. (laughs) And one of the reasons that's the case is because we magnify criticism and we minimize praise. And if you can start intentionally training yourself to do the opposite, magnify praise, minimize criticism, you're going to have a much different experience of yourself and your life. The second tip I have for you is to praise yourself. This can also feel awkward and uncomfortable and first at first, first at first, (laughs) forced at first, but it's just like building a muscle. The first time you lift weights, it's going to hurt. And then you keep lifting those weights over and over. It's going to feel natural. So praising yourself, that just looks like celebrating and honoring yourself whenever you do a good job or whenever you keep a promise to yourself. And that can look like many different things. I like to have little dance parties whenever I do something I said I was going to do, or whenever I make a new connection with somebody or whatever it is, whatever I'm like, heck yeah, I did that thing. 
I will take a moment to give myself a literal or metaphorical pat on the back and I'll really feel what it feels like to be proud of myself. And that's actually something that you have to practice. You have to practice being proud of yourself because we grow up, all we hear, oh, don't be too proud of yourself. Make sure you're humble. Don't brag. A lot of us have those messages ingrained in ourselves. It can actually contribute to low self-esteem. So we have to we have to retrain ourselves to praise ourselves and be proud of ourselves. So that's the first two things. Let praise in and praise yourself. The third thing goes back to flexing muscles. So the third thing is that things are always going to be a little bit uncomfortable if you're growing and if you're striving. You're always going to be pushing the edge of your own discomfort. I feel like I'm always pushing the edge of my own discomfort. And at least a few times a week, I do something that makes me want to barf. (laughs) I've talked about that on previous episodes. So even if you're in the habit of praising yourself and letting praise in, you're still going to have to do things that make you uncomfortable. And that's just part of the muscle that you have to build. So be willing to fail. Be willing to be imperfect. Be willing to do it imperfectly over and over and over again because that's how you build up the muscle of confidence and skill. So many of us, the reason that we chase more knowledge is because we're afraid to apply that knowledge imperfectly. And we have this little myth in our head of like, if we gather all the knowledge, then we'll never have to make a mistake. And that's just not true. We're always going to make mistakes. But application trumps knowledge over and over and over again. So practice exercising the skills that you already have. I guarantee you, if you're in the place that I've talked about today, you already have a lot of skills. You already have a lot of knowledge. You already have a lot of tools. What can you do with what you already have? Can you talk to a new client? Can you submit to an art gallery? Can you ask for the interview? Whatever it is, can you do it with what you already have? That's my challenge and my question to you this week. And I hope you have a good one. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at Holly Fisher Higgins. If we're not connected there already, I'll link it up in the show notes. There's just some really ridiculous filters I'm playing with these days. So <laughs> come see, come see that action. And until next week, until next time, go believe in you. I do. I do.